0: This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. I think we're playing in the right direction. I think, uh, obviously, we still need to do a lot better, certain things, certain areas that we can clean up, fix. But, yeah, I think where we stand with, uh, obviously, Porner and Cooch out, I think uh, where we're at right now is pretty pretty good. So, I think the boys are playing good. Obviously, uh, last game was uh, kind of falling down for us, missed opportunities, and missed opportunities. Uh, mistakes that cost us again uh, that we do it to ourselves so uh, but yeah I like where we're at
1: I think so too I like where the Lightning are right now and we'll see how it plays out tonight against the St. Louis Blues again another place where the Lightning have had you know some struggles really back-to-back games here in Minnesota and St. Louis and we'll see how it plays out tonight we'll have the call with the pregame starting at 7.30. And, of course, Dave Mishkin will have the radio play-by-play at 8 o'clock. And we should say, Dave, as we bring in my partner Dave Mishkin, Steve Ersnick producing, Brian Engblom joining us in a half hour from now to talk about this game. Uh, Dave, we should say that uh, this game is on ESPN+. Plus, and I don't know if everybody will be able to watch the game, but we certainly invite everybody to listen to it on Lightning Power Play. we lose dave we might have lost dave it was such a great question and he didn't know how to respond to it that dave froze but we've had some internet connections a little bit there from st louis that's where dave is right now so we'll we'll effort to get him but yes if you're just joining us the game is on espn plus and it's one of four or five games this year that's exclusive to espn plus yeah. which is their premium service it's about 60 bucks a year i think but i think you can also sign up for 6 or 7 bucks a month no doubt, and um, I believe the other games are Tampa Bay, Montreal, which is uh, December twenty eighth, and you've got one on March twenty ninth, and then April twenty eighth. Mm-hmm. So a few games, uh, as yeah. you mentioned, Steve, and, and I think we have Dave back, and Dave, I, I was do. Just Giving I'm everybody an, an opportunity to let them know that if they want to listen to the game tonight, they can, uh, especially tonight because the game is on ESPN Plus.
0: Yeah, John Butchegrass is going to be doing the game, and I've not yet seen him. Nice this morning, but I remember him from way back when ESPN slash ABC had the rights. When I first joined the Lightning, <laughs> yeah, even before I first joined the Lightning, but uh, I got to know him a little bit during the '4 cup run because he was covering the playoffs that year for ESPN good for him he's done a lot of frozen four through the years I know that and he's a big hockey enthusiast so yeah I always for his felt sake like... I'm glad he's getting an opportunity to to do some games now that ESPN has has at least part of the national rights package
1: yeah and I always felt like during that time when ESPN Stop broadcasting the games that he was a pretty good ambassador for the NHL on that yes. network that didn't really showcase too much NHL action. So good for him. And uh, again, we invite people to uh, check us out on lightning power play. Of course, as I said before, Brian Engblom will be joining us in about 30 minutes to talk about this lightning team and what to expect tonight. And, you know, hopefully they have uh, a couple of reinforcements back in the lineup. Dave, we'll see how it all plays out. I know Chernak, has missed the last eight games, getting closer. Maybe we see him tonight. Hopefully that is the case.
0: And He was uh, taking – so it was a full practice yesterday, Greg. So the Lightning have not yet hit the ice because, of course, we're in central time here in St. Yes. Louis. But I would not be surprised if this is an optional because they had a full skate yesterday. We'll see. But at the full skate yesterday, Chernak was, was paired with McDonough. Which is usually a pretty yeah, good a indication good that he's ready to come back. And for what it's worth, which may not be worth much, Sergachev was with Bogosian. Okay. So we touched on this yesterday. We didn't know when we did the show that Fortier would be the forward summoned. But the Lightning could go 12-6 and six with Fortier in for Joseph, assuming Joseph cannot play and John Cooper termed him doubtful after practice yesterday. Or they could go 11-7. and seven and have Chernak in with foot. So that part you can't really tell from practice because they need to fill out the four forward lines. And then you had Sean Day who had been summoned earlier last week, I guess. Again, these days are running together. What is today, Tuesday? I think he came up just before the weekend as insurance. They sent Frederick Clayson back to Syracuse. So the lightning had eight defensemen in practice yesterday, so Foot was paired with Day, but if they go with seven defensemen, that would mean that Foot is in. It doesn't mean that just because Foot was not paired with Sergachev that he's not playing. So we may have to wait until game time to, to get a clearer idea about that, unless the practice ends and we see the scratches skating on the ice. In which case I will inform you as I'm in the which press box here in Saint Louis, I will inform you who is out on the ice late. The it does look bright like Brian Elliott is gonna get the start tonight though. In a and building where he has had a yeah. lot of experience. Yeah. Spent a number of years here in Saint Louis, played some very good hockey here. He has a good record against the Blues too in his career. Some of that came before he joined the Blues and some of it after, but Elliott's six and two in his career against Saint Louis.
1: Yep. And we talked about as an about opponent. Him. Yeah, and we talked to, about his play with Franz Jean yesterday, Dave, and the work he's been putting in in between starts and kind of the schedule has dictated that Vassy is playing the majority of these games. But we are going to see Elliot and his workload increase, and yeah. I think he's gotten better with every start, and I think that's what you want to see because, Dave, let's face it too – You know, for the majority of his career, I mean, maybe we can quibble a little bit about his time in Philly towards the end there with Carter Hart. But for the majority of his career, he has been a starter, Um, or at least the guy during the prime of his career has been the go-to guy in Nets. And I do think it's a little bit of an adjustment for somebody like him to Mm -hmm. take a backseat, although I think it's a bit easier mentally taking a backseat to the best goaltender in the world compared to, let's say, a younger guy who's coming up and struggling when you feel like maybe you could be in there giving your team a a big lift. But I I think it's something that he's had to
0: adjust to. And so far,
1: I, I think he's done pretty well.
0: Yeah, when he wasn't the true starter, it was kind of a 1A, 1B. But it sounds like when he arrived in St. Louis, he was not really expected to play as much as he did, and he earned the time that he got. So there were some years where he played more than others, but he always played a fair amount. So if he wasn't maybe the main guy, he was getting maybe 40% to 45% of the games played. This is a way different scenario for him, which is why we asked Franz about how Elliott is using practice to stay sharp. I mean, three starts in the first 20 games, I'm sure that that is very new for him. Now, he's not going to get three starts in the next 20 games, I think, assuming all goes to plan, because the Lightning schedule will become more condensed. And Franz talked about that. He said, you know, Brian has kind of been a victim of our schedule in that the Lightning have not had a rigorous schedule in the first 20. Not many back-to-backs, several segments of like two days or three days between games, so they've been able to lean on Vasilevsky more than they probably will in the next 20, let's say, or even in the next couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, it's going to ramp up and both Vasi and Elliot's are going to have to, it's going to be interesting because Elliott will probably play a little bit more and Vasi he's going to still be playing a lot, but not maybe as much. And it, it'll, it will be interesting to see that dynamic you know, once we get into the real rigors of the schedule uh, for both goaltenders. Fortier gets called up, Dave. From Syracuse. What what I like about the Lightning, and we saw him during preseason, and he did stand out at times. Had a hat trick?
0: He did. Against Carolina in the preseason.
1: That's a good uh, recall there by you. And I think one of the things I respect about the Lightning organization, Dave, is that guys who do get called up from Syracuse, they earn it. And it doesn't matter if you're a veteran or if you're a young prospect. And I think, particularly a young player, sometimes you get buried in somebody's minor league system. You don't get a chance to come up when you're having a good season. I feel like the Lightning over the last few years have done a nice job of rewarding guys, Dave, whether you're a younger player or a veteran, to come up and play because you have played well down in Syracuse. I think that's a good incentive, especially when you're trying to bring maybe free agents into your system to build some depth. Mm -hmm. But I think also, too, it gives that nugget out there, dangles that nugget out there for some of the younger players that says, listen, you may be new to the organization in terms of playing at Syracuse. Maybe this is your second year as a pro. But if you're playing well there's a chance you do get called up, and I can point to Exhibit A, B, and C as to guys who have taken that same route. So good for Forte. Don't know what to expect. I'm sure he's excited, nervous, has a lot of speed, has some skill, and seems like a typical Lightning prospect, doesn't he?
0: Well, the Lightning have felt that he's trended in the right direction from the moment he turned pro. And we can say the same about some other guys, like Ross Colton, for example, I think you know, just got better and better and better during the time that he was in Syracuse. This is the development part of the Lightning's formula. And I was thinking about this today on the way to the rink. Like, you hear so much about these draft experts, and I'm not saying that term with derision. I mean, they are draft experts. They know a lot more about the draft and and these young players than certainly I do. They spend a lot of time researching them. I'm not talking about the scouts talking about the people who report on the draft. But you always hear about, like, this player's ceiling is, this guy projects to be a, a bottom six forward, or this guy projects to be a tweener, or this guy is going to really have to improve this area of his game if he hopes to make it to the NHL. And you know what? There may, be, there may be some truth, there may be a lot of truth in that statement at that moment. But every player has a chance to control his own future positively or negatively, I think the Lightning system is is one. The development system is one where if the player is willing to put in the work, they can change what the perceived ceiling is at the time of their their draft. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I'm not sure. I guess we can go back and look. But, like, what was Ross Colton's perceived ceiling when he was drafted in the fourth round as a guy who was slated – Going to, to college, right? Yeah. Well, the it's one thing about probably this... not a, a future that included scoring the game-winning goal, in a Stanley Cup clinching victory. Well, that's so, right, and and I think the one thing you is... know, all I'm saying is that where Forte was a second-round pick, so I'm not saying that he doesn't sure. have a high ceiling. He was a second-round pick, but I think the Lightning have shown that if the player is game and willing and eager and receptive to the instruction that they can give that player once he is fully in their system by fully in their system i mean like under their tutelage in the minor leagues a little different than when you're in college or playing junior you have a different coaching staff like you have the input from the lightning like director of player personnel and and the development people that they have who visit and they get exposed To the way the Lightning do things at prospect camps or development camps, they meet Barb Underhill, like they get some tutelage along the way. But once they're in Syracuse and they are basically being fed a diet of the way the Lightning do things day in day out, I think we've seen that that's where players can really take off. I mean, he's only in his second pro year. I would agree. This is quite. If he gets in tonight. This is quite an accomplishment for him.
1: Well, Dave, and, you know, don't look now, but look at the Lightning's roster when you start talking about draft picks. I mean, again, Forte, we don't know if he's going to stick, but uh, as you mentioned, a second-round pick. Radish, a second-round pick. Kachuka, a second-round pick. Yeah. You've got some guys here. You know, a lot of people thought, Dave, and when I say a lot of people, I think from the outside looking in, they'll look at the Lightning right now, and they'll say, okay, they got their core in place. They've traded away some assets and some prospects and maybe their minor league system isn't as, quote unquote, deep as it was three, four years ago. Uh, however you want to take that statement, I, I think there is a perception there that 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 is what's going on with the Lightning. I think the Lightning will push back and say, well, that's not the case. But, you know, we thought that Barry Boulay and Kachuk and Radish, that was kind of the next wave of prospects. But then after that, what did you have? Now oh, don't look now. I mean, you know, Fortier yeah. comes up, and he could be that next wave of prospects that could be pushing for a spot. Of course, you had the Josephs and you had the Coltons before the the kid line. You know, with with Kachuk and Radish coming up, and Barry the, the bottom line is the Lightning. They are developing talent, but they're they're still drafting very well. And the fact that some of these guys are still making it to the pro game, Dave, and when they do, they are contributing, I think speaks to Al Murray a bit more in his staff. But also, too, let's give credit down in Syracuse with Ben yeah. Gruel and the way they've developed those players. I mean, I, I think I'm sure there's been interest from some other teams, but if you're not looking at Ben gruel as a guy to maybe lead your team, you're probably doing yourself a disservice, particularly a younger team, because it, it feels like, at least, Dave, he is getting these guys prepared to play at the NHL level where they're not
0: overwhelmed. I would agree with that. And look, not every player who has come up has necessarily you know, secured a spot right away. But you know, the depth is certainly something that we are seeing through training camp, through these development camps, and the guys that have come up, even if they haven't stayed up have made by and large a pretty solid impact so again we don't know if Fortier is in tonight John Cooper is actually about to meet with a very small media group right now <laughs> two people I'm in the press box so I'm missing it. I think it's Dave Randorf, yeah Joe Smith and Ed Cena, and the ESPN crew I think probably too so that's not too small of a a group but we'll we'll get some more information when he talks and if he's talking now that means it's going to be an optional skate so he may answer the question yeah yes Fortier's in or he might say show up at seven o'clock central and find out well that's it's going to be fun
1: if he makes his debut we'll be there to uh obviously cover it the other thing too is they're talking about St. Louis for a moment here and then uh, we'll get to Brian coming up in just a little bit I don't know, I'm, I'm sure you're talking to some guys from the Blues, but having a chance to kind of do a little bit of a, a deep dive into the roster, I, you kind of have to do a double take with some of the players on their team who they have. I mean, boy, didn't it feel like five years ago that Vlad Tarasenko was on the trade <laughs> block and they were looking to move him yeah. and like you see that he's on his right, ro- and he's he's performing well i know there was a lot of talk about his injury
0: and but yeah he's had a lot of injury problems he has the last couple of years and you think about the last couple of years and and how spread out the last couple of years have been i wrote it down greg he's played only 34 regular season games total the last two years i think he's played every playoff game the blues have not had deep runs in either year either in the bubble or last year they got swept by colorado in the first round but over two full regular seasons, a total of thirty-four games played by Tarasenko.
1: And during so that time, he's finally healthy. Yeah, and during that time, though, he complained. I know about the way his shoulder injury was handled, which is yeah. why he wanted to be gone. But Dave, I don't, I don't know what you're hearing over there. I mean, I, I guess have they just come to some sort of truce where they said, "Listen, I'll play," and then if you want to deal me, deal me. But I mean, uh, how? Yeah, how is I that playing out. Uh,
0: I didn't. I didn't really get into a yeah. conversation about him. I mean, I did touch base with Chris Kerber, their longtime radio broadcaster, who we go back almost thirty years now. So we, we caught up on some stuff unrelated to hockey. A little well, bit. Tell us, Dave. Hockey, tell it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, he did. He did let me know that Bozak was Doesn't was look like going on the COVID list, yeah. which is another topic because we're starting to see it around the league. Cody CC is on the COVID list. Bruce Cassidy, yep. Bruins head coach, is on the COVID list. The Blues actually closed off the event level, which is what they call the, the locker room level, to non-broadcast media. So in other words, if you are not involved in a broadcast, read ESPN, <laughs> or maybe Chris, who is their radio broadcaster, you can't go at the locker room level and they're doing all their media over zoom and they're probably very aware that there have been some teams that have had you know COVID outbreaks whether it's ottawa or the islanders and now they have a player that is going to miss tonight's game because he's on the list so they want to i mean that sounds like it's more in the room than than anybody else coming down there but they said out of an abundance of caution they're closing that area off the lighting side of the the locker room area is open which is where coop is doing his press conference uh so chris and i talked a little bit about that and he was telling me how he was going to talk to Baruby, which you know he had to he had to kind of have some machinations there to to work his way to an area where where they would allow him to do to do the interview but what he said was you know they may they may be down to 11 forwards because they have some injuries so here is what we know about the blues they have some injuries david perron is out clem coston is out they have had some other of their regulars, some other regulars at the forward position missed some time. Ryan O'Reilly missed a handful of games. Braden Shen missed a handful of games, and now Bozak, of course, is out as well. But they're doing pretty well. They had a great October. At one point, they were seven one and one. They've been a little kind of like a five hundred team since then. But their power play is number two in the league. And it's not been like one guy it's not been like ovechkin like where he's scoring the majority of the power play goals it's been well distributed they've gotten contributions from a lot of different guys and you know they're integrating some newer players too they called up this defenseman who won the hobie baker scott perunovic i had to look at it or Perunovich. excuse me i'll get it right by tonight he actually played at Minnesota Duluth with Cole Kepke. won two titles there, won the Hobie Baker in 2020. This guy had 20 points in 12 games at the AHL level before they called him up. He's That's got impressive. two assists in yeah. seven games. But, like, he's a pretty highly regarded prospect, certainly with the, the resume I just listed for you. So, you know, he's being worked in. Uh, they acquired Pavel Buchnevich in the deal with the Rangers that sent Sammy Blay to New York. And Blay, of course, got hurt. He's out for the year. But Buchnevich is doing really well for them. Uh, I noted that a couple of their other players, like Oscar Sundquist, who you remember because he, he was in Pittsburgh. He came here in the Ryan Reeves deal. Like, he only played about 30 games last year. They had a few guys like that. Only played maybe about half the season last year during the regular season. I'm not even including Tarasenko. And so... I think that they are happy that, that some of the guys that missed substantial time last year are now back and healthy, and, and the Blues are in a good spot. I think we talked about the Central Division that, you know, especially Arizona but Chicago too, their bad starts just makes the math that much better for the other six teams in the Central, if of which the Blues are one. If they're healthy, that's a
1: pretty good combination of some size, some skill, and goaltending. Again, that that's a variable, yeah. Dave. We don't know. But, I mean, for, like, again, I forgot – Brandon Saad, on their team. Yeah, he's, uh, usually a pretty he's doing well. good veteran. He's actually
0: playing playing on a line with Sunquist.
1: Yeah, I mean he's he's a, a pretty proven goal scorer at this level. Also, too, I forgot they had Tori Krug.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, mean, we didn't see them last year. I know. Right? That's what I mean. That's or what Boston, we, we didn't see Boston Krugless. I mean, last Dave, year. when you
1: take a look at their back end, I mean, it's at least you know, Justin, yeah, Justin Falk, Falk. Tori Krug, and um, you know. Who's the, the the big guy? Per, uh, call him Pareko. Pareko. I mean, they're yeah. all they're all pretty pretty good defensemen. And then this new uh, the rookie, right? Jordan Cairo?
0: Yeah, I What's have to look up. I can't remember. Team. He's been in the league for a few years. I'm not sure if we ever saw him. I'll be able to look that up here in a second. Uh, I, need I mean, to he's played 120 game games in the yeah. Na- in the National he hockey. is immensely skilled immensely skilled i was watching some of the goals that he scored last year and this year this guy is a player and he's their leading scorer right now but if he played against the lightning he was just kind of getting his feet wet in the nhl i mean it's been it's been two years almost to the day since these teams last met that was a 4-3 st louis win at amelie they played the game in st louis earlier in that 2019-2020 season and I don't know that Kairou had the role then. I know he didn't, that he has now. Yeah. So he's another one.
1: So it's it's an interesting Perunovic roster. Perunovic is the defenseman, yeah, the young,
0: right. highly regarded defenseman. But but Kairou was actually traded. I shouldn't say this. Brian Elliott was traded to Calgary, and the pick that they got back in the Elliott trade they used to take Kairou. Kairou, gotcha. No so right. he's he's younger, clearly. Yes. It's not like he was a pro player, and they traded Elliot for Kyrou, but the pick that they used to select Kyrou came back to them when they moved Elliot to Calgary gotcha. several years ago.
1: And they still have Braden Shen. You know, he's been yeah. a proven guy. he's uh, played a lot of games over the, over his career and has been a, a pretty
0: good player. So, Robert Thomas, he was another yeah. guy. he only played 33 games last year. And you know, when Pat Maroon was here, the year that the Blues won the Cup. Tyler Bozak was the center, Maroon was the left wing, and Robert Thomas was the right winger. But Thomas is a natural center, and looking at their face-off numbers, it does look like he's playing in the middle now. Yeah. So that's his natural position, and, and he has grown as a player from that that 2019 Cup run where he, he was a good player for them, but that was, I think, their third line, and now he has a more elevated role. I believe he's second on their team in scoring right now.
1: And this is Maroon's... I think, first opportunity back. Is that right? No, first he was here. His he got his ring. Yeah, that's right. When
0: the Lightning were here in, in the that's fall right. of 2019.
1: That's right. He had seven and points. they lost
0: the game, which he is did. kind of a, like Minnesota. Not quite as dry here in terms of finding points and wins, but fairly dry. Yeah. Lightning sure. have one win, I think, going back 10 or 11 years here that came in the 17-18 season.
1: It's one of those things, I mean, St. Louis has always had some pretty good teams, but then there are just some places where you you don't play as well, and I want to talk to Brian Engblom about that, in addition, Dave, because I think in his career, he was probably in both spots, where he was a young player coming up and trying to crack the lineup, and maybe couldn't because of how deep the team he was playing for was, but then a veteran guy who... Uh, maybe was pushed by some younger players but wanted to be in the lineup and, and played a lot of games. Because I, I feel like at some point when the Lightning have all their defensemen back, and that could be tonight, we'll see. Uh, again, it looks like it will. You know, a guy like Kyle Foot. how are they going to handle his playing time? Because right. he started to, I, I thought, do well. But then, then again, Zach Bogosian was somebody who was playing well. So that, yeah. that fine line of – They both are. Yeah, and which is a great problem to have. I'm curious just from an individual standpoint how – Each one is probably handling that. Brian, of course, played a lot of games at the NHL level and and was in probably both situations. So we can talk to him Mm -hmm. about that when we return.
0: By the way, uh, Greg, the Lightning are starting to take the ice. Looks like about eight players and Vasilevsky. To this point, I do not see Elliott. So if he is starting and it's an optional, he must be taking the option.
1: Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Chernak
0: is out there, though. I recognize him. Okay. So he's one of the eight, and there may be some other guys filing out by the time we come back from break.
1: We'll keep an eye on that. Of course, Mish is in St. Louis. I am back here in Tampa along with Steve Versnick. Brian Engblom is up next. We're getting you set for Lightning and Blues. Back after this on Lightning Power Play.
2: Hey, it's Seth Kushner, host of The Block Party, and we are coming off a big one. We just had Yanni Gord stop by last week. This week, Jan Ruda is on the show. A lot
1: of people don't know Jan Ruda, very, very nice and sneaky funny. I asked Jan a very important question about who the very hairy man on his Instagram is, breaking his ankle on a block shot in the playoffs, and trying to embrace Thanksgiving. It's Jan Ruda on The Block Party,
0: wherever you get your podcast, Download it twice. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app.
1: Glad you're with us. Power Lunch continues. Greg Lenelli with you, along with the radio voice of the Lightning, Dave Mishkin, Steve Ersnick producing. And uh, again, we welcome everybody to listen to the game tonight on Lightning Power Play. It's an ESPN Plus game, so hopefully you get it. If you don't, you can certainly listen to us. And a guy who calls most of those games on TV. We always love having him on. He played the game a long time and one of the better broadcasters in the game today. Let's welcome back to the program, Brian Engblom. Brian, great to be with you. And here we are, Lightning and Blues, a a place where the Lightning have not had a ton of success. And you could have said the same thing for Minnesota. Do Do you feel like it's just one of those things in sports that happens? Or do you feel like it's been more of a a matchup situation when it comes to the Lightning and the Blues?
2: Uh, Good question. I think sometimes uh, it just becomes a thing. <laughs> I I don't know why it should be that much tougher. I mean, Minnesota, for instance, where they just played and lost, you know, they have a good team this year, there's no doubt, better in some ways than it's been uh, at times in the past and the Lightning just can't get a win. Uh, they couldn't score a goal when they needed to again the other day. I I really can't explain that. St. Louis, I think, would be the same thing. You know, they certainly have won. You know, they won the cup a couple of years ago, so that was the the exceptional year for them. And they've had some good teams. I I don't see that it's a you know big matchup thing. Maybe it's an unfamiliarity thing as much as anything. You don't play the West as much as the East, and sometimes uh, you know the. The home team, you know, everybody, especially in those matchups, coaches always say, well, we just got to play our own game. So whoever establishes their game the best and the fastest ends up winning it. Uh, I would think that would maybe be the biggest factor. And then just not being used to those faces and, you know, getting beaten by certain players on plays at certain times uh, because you're not used to it as compared to, say, you know, playing against Florida or whatever and all those guys and knowing them all, you know, b- like the back of your hand. Uh, I I would think that, you know, that maybe would be the biggest thing you could try to explain away. Other than that, I don't know.
0: By the way, guys, uh, looks like there are nine lightning skaters taking part in the optional skate, not including Vasilevsky, but no Elliott. So I think we can... Safely assume Elliott is the starter tonight of the nine players, three are defensemen, and you got Chernak, Foote, and Day out there. So really no surprise there that those would be the three guys, and not surprisingly as well, Fortier is one of the the six forwards in a white jersey getting the work. And I want to ask you, Brian, about Fortier. If he is in, it looks like he's going to be in a top six role, if we want to term it that, playing with Sorelli and Killorn. What do you think about that for a guy making his NHL debut? Is that like a positive or does it put maybe even more pressure
2: on a young player? Yeah, that's up to the individual. It's a good question. Uh, Some players adapt very well and some don't. Um, And for all the, you know, the players, you know, the NHL players saying, Hey, you know, just go play your own game and you know, just do this and just do that. (laughs) Yeah. Easier said than done because you got a thousand things going through your mind and, you're trying to adapt to a lot of stuff. And, you know, the last thing you want on your mind is, oh, geez, that guy was open. My line mate was open. I didn't give him the puck. Um, and they're going to be kind. Con- he's going to be concentrating on on, uh, you know, doing the right things defensively so he can get, <laughs> so he can get another shift. Right. It's almost shift by shift out there as far as, uh, you know, making John Cooper happy and, and making sure he's doing the right things. So that sorts itself out. Some guys just go, yeah, OK, great. You know, and then others are, you know, for all the talking, just totally intimidated and uh, um, just, you know, end up making poor to average plays because they're overpassing and not doing the most obvious thing. So as long as he executes, you know, coming out of the zone and doing those kinds of things, then he'll keep getting shifts and the rest will just take care of itself.
1: Brian, understanding that's. It's a little bit of a hypothetical because we're waiting to to make sure all the Lightning players are healthy, and a lot of times that never happens, but it looks like on the back end they are getting healthy, and they are getting some depth back there, which is great to see, and I think a big reason is because Kyle Foote has taken some nice steps recently in his play, but when Chernak does come back, and it looks like that could be tonight, but we'll see how that plays out, but it it does look like he is in the lineup. The the balancing act between playing a veteran in Bogosian – and playing a younger guy in Cal Foot, How hard is that for a coaching staff to want to get both of those guys reps? And how hard is it for a guy like Foot, who I think we all agree, Brian, needs to play because he's a young guy, but at the same time, you know, you want to win games and play the best player at that position. So what what is the right balancing act when it comes to the back end
2: there? The need to win comes first, always. So whatever the coaches feel, whatever the situation is, are you on a winning streak? are you on a losing streak? How in fact, are you playing in your own zone? That's where it starts and that's the most important things for the d. How um, you know, how good is is, foot, is is your young guy looking? How good, in other words, how good is foot playing that up to this point? Is he really struggling? Are we really sort of out there on a limb when he's when he's playing? I, I don't think he is. I think he's played some solid games, um, and he's you know still in that process of discovering what it takes for him to be a good player every night, getting used to the reads, getting used to the feel of playing. And this would be, if he plays tonight, another step forward in playing against those guys in the West, which you haven't seen St. Louis in two years. And so w- when you're playing against those top guys, you know, what what might they do to me? Like Tarasenko, right, is the first guy that jumps out to me. The guy's got some terrific skills. And you, you don't want to get burned and find out the hard way. Oh, yeah, he's got a really good move to the inside. He can really skate and accelerate. And what a shot he's got. I gave him too much room. That's what I mean when I talk about those things, about having to play your way in and find out how you get the job done. Because ultimately, it's your responsibility to get the job done. And that's what Cal Foot is in that process. But it's win first, for sure. Um, and what if Chernak can come you know, in tonight, he sure looked good. I thought he might have played the other night, but obviously he didn't. So he's very close. Um, when he comes back, I think there's been a little bit of how should I say it? Maybe a little bit of like an accordion movement, you know, uh, as far as defending and the defense core. When Chernak comes in, there's a solidification that, that happens. Everything gets compact again. And this is like, okay, this is, we can get this under control. Cause there's parts of every game, every single game where you're losing it a little bit and, and it's coming apart a little bit. And that's when McDonough and Chernak get out there and, you know, everything gets a little tighter and grab this game back again. Cherney's a really big part of, of that part of uh, the Lightning's defensive abilities. You need those guys because he he uh, and McDonough fit you know together. They just lock together, and they lock up everything from the blue line in. They hold the blue line better than any pair, um, and that's because is really good at holding that blue line. I think a lot of teams found out the hard way that okay, McDonough's got a reputation, he's really good, let's attack the other side. And then they find out when their nose is in the glass and they just got run by this guy who looks like he's going to rip your head off, then they go, okay, now it's not very good on that side either. So he's got a lot of things that he, he can bring to the game. And, you know, he moves the puck extremely well. So if he's able to play, everything just gets more solidified and tighter. And of course, it helps the power play a ton as well. But the entire feel of the game changes when Chernak can get back in there. By the way, an
0: update John Cooper said that Chernak is back tonight and Fortier will make his NHL debut. And given the fact that I do not see Bogosian in the optional skate, that would lead me to believe that Foot is the extra. So that is correct. So right. You yeah, will is. have right. to wait okay. maybe until Thursday to. Face Tarasenko, but I I think we are all in agreement that if foot is not in, it's not going to be an indefinite absence. He does need to play, and and he has done well for himself. Uh, Brian, I wanted to ask you about the Colton line, and it's not that Ross Colton is is not comfortable playing with more veteran players, but it really feels like those three guys jive together. And I'm wondering, do you feel that some some of that might be due to the fact that they all kind of came into the league pro league at the same time and they know each other. Well, there's no deferring to a veteran guy, which you sometimes see happening. Like you kind of talked about it with, with Fortier sliding in, that can happen to young players. Sometimes the fact that they're all kind of in the same stage in their career, although Colton has more NHL experience, but age wise and, and years pro wise, they're all kind of in the same boat. Has that helped that line?
2: Yeah, I think that they are so familiar with each other at the American League level. Yeah, that helps a lot. But this is is pure chemistry. I mean, that's what coaches get paid to do, right? They have a lot of times, most times, you will see a young guy who, uh, you know, maybe gets babysat by having, uh, you know, experienced guys with him. And then you go, okay, well, that's working okay, but it's not great. And you have to worry about all three guys on the line and, and are they being successful? Or is only one being successful? Um, And then you you change it around and you go, okay, we'll put these three young guys together. But if they're making too many mistakes, then we can't have that. So again, it's about the good of the team, um, uh, then the good of the line, then the good of the individual. They're all very finely tuned, but separate, but together, if you get what I mean. So that's why it's such a delicate balancing act. Well, when he put the young guys together, Kachuk and Radish and Colton together, they, right off the bat, they were pretty darn good. So, okay, I'll feed them a little more, a little more. Next thing you knew, Coop was singling them out, uh, you know, virtually every game saying they played really well. They had the puck in the offensive zone, and they still seem to, in the offensive zone, more than they are in their own end. What young guys tend to have happen is they get running around in their own end. They're not good res- responsible defensively, or, or they're running around too much trying to put out fires, and that's every bit as bad. But they've been very good at the execution. They're well-disciplined. And, in fact, they've played against some really pretty high-end guys. I mean, that Erickson-Eck line, which is a real grinding, tough line for Minnesota, they saw a lot of ice time against them, especially the game here in, in uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, so they have proven that they can play in their own end. And, in fact, they've proven that they can play in the, in the offensive zone and spend a good amount of their time. And what's wrong with that? That is terrific. There's been a couple of games lately where the third and fourth line have been consistently in the offensive zone better than the top two lines. So that says a lot about the chemistry. So then, you know, Coop just put them together and went, "Okay, yeah, these guys are fine, which means the Belmar, Perry, uh, um, uh, Big Rig, (laughs) he he ends, uh, uh, that line ends up together. And all the experienced guys are all uh, on the same line and they're doing fine, too. And so they're building chemistry. So it, it happens. Uh, it got there. And and really, that's what this is all about.
1: Brian Engbaum joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Uh, Brian, I have felt from the start and going back to preseason that when you do talk about the younger guys up front, the Kachuk was the one that stood out for me maybe the most. Bariboulet had the most NHL experience and maybe had a little bit more flash to his game and, and came on the scene – with a little bit more pizzazz last year because he scored a few goals and was on the power play. But it feels like when everybody is back, and again, this is assuming guys are healthy, which is a big if, do you feel like Kachuk has been the most consistent with what they're asking him to do and what he brings every night?
2: Uh, Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah, I've used the analogy. To me, he reminds me a little bit of Andre Palat. Um, he doesn't have Andre's offense yet. But if you look at his history, his his offense is pretty darn good at every level he's been at. He was terrific in junior his last year or so, really produced a lot. Um, Really good, solid two-way player, knows the game, plays physical like Pally does, does the right things, covers up, is in the right position. Um, That kind of game gets noticed, especially when you are physical. Um, His offensive confidence is not really there yet. That just takes time, and every individual is different. Barry Boulet is more of an offensive-oriented guy. He's small. He kind of scoots around. Um, I think with him, you look at him and you go, okay, make sure you're doing the right thing defensively. Make sure you are in the right spot. Make sure you're making the right passes coming out of the zone and in the neutral zone and on the attack and not turning the puck over. But, boy, can he make plays. He's got better hands and better feel offensively um, than – uh, Kachuk, in, in my mind, that's my opinion, um, and he can more freely, you know, shoot the puck, shoot to score. Whereas I get the feeling Kachuk is going to grind more and get those game, those goals from you know eight to ten feet in front of the net, Yanni Gord style sort of thing, and maybe work his way into something more offensively as he go. Taylor Radish reminds me of Corey Perry uh, when I watch him skate, the way he handles the puck, the way. Even the blade of his stick, even the way he stick handles and his release, which we see in practice, but unfortunately we don't see in the games. And so to me, he's more of a gunner and a scorer, but he's not comfortable yet. But what he's done is, is, as I mentioned earlier, as a line, and he as an individual has proven to the coaches, yes, I know what I'm doing in all three areas of the ice, and then the offense comes next. But, boy, I've seen him shoot the puck in practice. I go, come on, shoot it there. He had one great chance in Minnesota. He held on a second too late, and he got it deflected over the net. That's NHL experience. You can't teach that. Uh, I wish, like he, he skated the top of the circle uh, on the left wing side, out of the corner, had some room, used it. I loved that. So that was a look of, okay, now I'm starting to look for openings. But he waited too long. This is the NHL, and defenseman came out and put, got that stick on it. So next thing he goes, you know, okay, I got to shoot a second earlier. I don't have to get that close and just get some confidence offensively.
0: Brian, we've seen from the moment that he arrived with the Lightning how good Pat Maroon's hands are, particularly around the net. Soft hands for a big man. He has had the puck and a stick a lot with that Belmar-Perry line doing so well. How much can that help a player who has good hands to get a feel for the puck as much as he has had the puck on his stick, particularly in the offensive zone?
2: Well, uh, confidence goal scoring is it doesn't matter how many years you've been in the league. You know, you've heard Stammer refer to it, and he's one of the great scorers of, of this generation. Pat scored 27 goals one year, right, playing at Edmonton. He hasn't had a lot of other, you know, big years in the NHL, but he's been pretty solid. Um, you know, it just depended on, you know, who he's been playing with. He tends to get put uh, with uh, maybe second and third line guys. Uh, he did have some time early in his career where he was first line. I think he, he had some time with Corey Perry and Getzlaff and, and Anaheim back in the day. And because of that, you know, he put up some good numbers. But because of his size, it was also looked upon as being, you know, the tough guy and the penalty minute guy. And those guys can get distracted or even misused a little bit to the point where, okay, we need you to get out there and, you know, get in that guy's face. Uh, we need you to hit. So you get you're programming, your players into something that is less than what you might get you know like less than their capabilities that's a better way to put it that happens a lot to virtually everybody at every position because it's necessary for the team for the coach to say i need this from you which may be beneath you a little bit and next thing you know i've used this with ryan mcdonough last year and early the year before ryan lost some of his offense i thought and i talked a little bit to the coaches about that Like, he doesn't look like he's having any joy in his game. There's no joy. That's the word I use. There's no joy in Ryan McDonough's game. He penalty kills. He matches up. He blocks shots. He hammers people. He turns the the, the offense away every night. Okay, great. You're 50 games into it, and it's another night of on the rock pile. And you lose your offense. You lose your instincts. And that's no good for a guy as good as Ryan McDonough. So let's go back to Pat Maroon. Year over year, the last couple especially, I know he's not the fastest guy, and I know he's not top six anymore because of that. Well, he's played himself into that. That's fine. He's a very valuable piece, but he does have very good hands, and they're still working on that chemistry. He and Perry have a really good idea of what they want to do. They want to work down low, behind the net, below the tops of the circles, and uh, Belmar is starting to get a feel for that, and I think he's the one that has taken a little more time to get used to that. But this line is really valuable. And when you have Perry, who has 50 goal-scoring hands, and Pat Maroon, who can score goals, he missed a couple of great a chances against Minnesota. But the more chances he gets, the more he's going to score. Now you've got a third line that can be really dangerous on two, two fronts, possession in the offensive zone, which is great, and put it in the back of the net.
1: It's, you know, it's, it's such a fascinating conversation because it almost feels like it's it's a lot it's a lot more mental than physical, Brian, when you get guys who have been put in a certain role and then ask them to take on a different role. And you mentioned McDonough and, and Corey Perry, and I think those are really good examples. And I'm wondering for Perry, do you think he's a guy that if you did put him on a first or second line that he still could score 25, 30 goals? Or do you feel like over the last couple of years has he had to accept he's more of a third and fourth line player with the potential to chip in here and there offensively. If that's the case, that has to be in many ways a, a tough pill to swallow. If you're a guy who's always been leaned on to score a lot.
2: Yeah, it's a transition, which he's been into the last couple of years, former 50 goal scorer, heart trophy winner, um, you know, 30, 40 goals, you know, in a blink of an eye early in his career, he's done it, been there, done that. Also been a Stanley Cup winner in in Anaheim, been to the finals, as we know, the last two years. A lot of value there. I thought he was a fantastic signing, and I still think he is because I know he's very, like, he he has no problem fitting in. It's not like he's going to come in and sit in the corner and be quiet. He knows who he is, and he knows the game. And, you know, we've heard references from other players about how much he talks, right? I watch him on the airplane even, and he's very gregarious, you know, on, on the charter flights. He's up and down, he's walking, he's talking to guys, bends over, talks to guys, watches the card players play, uh, which is always the most boisterous group, right? But he's in there all the time. That's a very important element there before he even puts the, you know, the, 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 the stuff on and gets out on the ice. He's got the resume. I, I thought he could easily have been a 20-goal scorer for them this year. Now, he got off to such a poor start. It just would not go in the net for him. So I don't know what his number is now because he's so far behind that possibility. But for me, it was about, okay, which power play was he going to be on? If he got off to a great start and he was scoring four or five goals in the first you know, six, seven games, he would have been first power play guy at the net. And now... That's where I thought, 20 goals? Yeah, he could do 20 goals again. Who knows, maybe more, because the power play can be so incredible. Then Cooch goes down, things change, blah, blah, blah. Here we are, and he couldn't score for anything. He should have seven, I think, goals now. He's got a couple, and it's starting to come. That second, the first one, well, he did the monkey off the back thing, right, which was hilarious. You could feel. I mean, it was like throwing a piano off his back, too. You could just see it from him like, oh, my goodness, are you kidding me? Finally, that is terrific. And then he scores again the other day. Goal scorer's goal. Great release right up in the top corner. So now you've got those two guys, Maroon and Perry, and they can set each other up. And Belmar, who just scored a goal, too, uh, that's That's important. He's got to be able to contribute. It's going to be interesting to see where this line goes, and Corey Perry will be right in the middle of it.
0: Last one for me, Brian, the Lightning are at 20 games. They've got 27 points, so you can check that box. They've gotten some points early in the year. I'm just wondering, of the questions that you had about this team entering the season, how many of those questions and which questions have been answered, either fully or partially, and which questions have not yet been answered?
2: Penalty kill was perhaps as big as the, you know, replacing the, the four guys up front because the Yanni Gord line, they all killed penalties and they were damn good at it. So I had penalty kill. You don't go anywhere without a penalty kill. Just ask the Vancouver Canucks, I mean, who are just horrible in that department. You have to be able to penalty kill. That's been answered. Uh, Joseph and Belmar have done a terrific job. And the other combinations that have been used, the kids, Kachuk and Radish, have had their shifts. Uh, You know, see Kaloran out there sometimes, Sorelli, uh, Palat, it doesn't matter. But for me, the Joseph-Belmar combination was really important, and they've been really good, and they've had, you know, a lion's share of the penalty kill. Now, the Line replacement, it is impossible to replace exactly the same way as those guys did, because they were fantastic. And, you know, everybody has talked about them enough. You can't say that they were underrated. They were damn good. And uh, they had a chemistry all to themselves, which was different than every other line the Lightning had. And that's why they were such a good team the last two years. So now we've talked about the Colton line. They're not the Yanni Gord line, but because they don't have the experience, but they're coming and they're building. So now we've seen Coop use them to start periods, start a game, match them up, give them experience, and that's what you do. What else can you do? Getting them ready, grooming them to see when the chips fall in the playoffs and everything amps up. There's no way Coop can know, or even the players themselves, will they get to that next level when they have to do that same job against the Bergeron line or or the Ovechkin line or whoever they're going to play in the playoffs. They don't know until it happens, but all you can do is prepare them the best you can. So that was the other question is who's going to replace that start periods, that energy, that puck in the offensive zone, that matchup quality and yes, score some big goals. They scored really line scored some huge goals during the season and in the playoffs. So that part is still unanswered. The, the huge goals from other than the top six uh, forwards of the Lightning, who's going to score those huge goals? That, to me, is still the most unanswered question.
1: Well, Brian, as always, we appreciate the analysis. It's always fun talking hockey with you, and uh enjoy watching the game tonight. We'll talk to you uh, on Thursday.
2: Always a pleasure, guys. Yeah, we'll enjoy the game tonight. Thanks a lot.
1: You got Thank you, it. Brian. That is Brian Engblom joining us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. And uh, we're getting you set for Lightning and Blues tonight. That's an 8 o'clock game, don't forget. And pregame's going to be at 7.30. So, uh, always appreciate Brian's analysis. And uh, if you're just joining us, it does look like Chernak will be in the lineup. Yep. And uh, so will Fortier making
0: his debut. And Brian Elliott, Dave, will be getting the opportunity to be in net, going against his former team. And Coop did say Foot was out tonight. but Yes, they're gonna they're gonna try and get him back in as soon as possible.
1: Yep. And that'll be the uh interesting juggling act. But it sounded like Brian, uh Dave, as you asked him that question, they an- he they have answered a lot of maybe
0: his questions that he had coming into the season. Yeah. Which was And nice. look replacing the gourd line, I don't know that you can ever replace the gourd line. That was a singular line and and replacing them you're not going to find a carbon copy and you may not find a line that did everything even though it's not going to be a carbon copy that provides in a different way many the same things but maybe you don't need to have everything replicated maybe there are other ways to to kind of solve this problem if you want to call it that or answer that question and i think there's no question that what we have seen from the bottom six, the Belmar line and the Colton line in the past few weeks, has been really encouraging. Yeah. They have given the Lightning quality minutes on a regular basis. And at least as far as the Belmar line is concerned, they're starting to get rewarded in terms of goals and points.
1: For sure. And they're going to go against a team who uh, is uh, playing some pretty good hockey. They've got a, a, a nice lineup, a good blend of some skill and some grits. And uh, it'll be a good challenge for the Lightning tonight. We'll have all that coverage, as we said. Starting at 7.30, Dave's got the call at 8 o'clock. And then we're back at it again tomorrow because then these two teams play Thursday night at home. So an interesting schedule for these two teams. And we'll be all over it. Partner, great job. And uh, we'll talk to you in a few hours. Talk to you tonight. All right, that is Dave Mishkin in St. Louis. Thanks to Steve Ersnick. Thanks to Brian Engblom, who hopped on just moments ago. I am Greg Lunelli. We'll be with you again tomorrow noon to 1. You've been listening to it all right here on Lightning Power Play.